0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Light On, our video series that brings to light the latest and greatest in human capital and business topics. I'm Colin Brennan. I'm the Vice President of Product Strategy and Solutions here at Light. I'm really happy to be with you here today and moderate a session on securing funding in the post-COVID world for critical HR projects. I'd like to introduce my guests today, Melina Shelby, Senior Director in our Value Engineering team, and Jazz Madden, an SVP in our Value Engineering team. I'd also like to remind you that throughout today's webcast, you can ask questions of our panelists by sharing them in the Q&A box on the right-hand side of the controls. If we get enough time today, we'll answer the questions. Otherwise, we'll be sure to follow up with them after the session. HR has never been under more pressure. You know, we're going to talk today about how HR is measuring the success of their projects, highlight the needs for showing that return on investment, especially to senior executives. And today we're going to focus a little bit on how organizations can best measure that value and how you think about realizing value and talking about value. Inside your HR projects within the organization, so I'm going to start with Jazz, maybe with you. So, you know, as you think about it, you know, what are some of the recent trends we've seen, um, and how they impact the value space?
1: Yeah, thanks, Colin. So, you know, as I look back at my career within the value engineering space, working with clients, working on defining and measuring value, I've never seen employee well-being and engagement at such low levels. You know, 50% employees can't retire when they want to, or they regret a healthcare decision majority of them are also looking at leaving. You know, the stats are crazy, 64% are looking at leaving. Now that's gonna have a significant impact on organization revenue, organization productivity. So that's one aspect of it from an employee perspective. Now when you look at it from an HR perspective, they're also under a lot of stress. there was a recent survey that was done which found 70% of HR leaders say this has been the most challenging time of their careers. So as we talk to organizations, You know, what we've been noticing is there's some common themes there. They all need help. They need help in improving engagement, ensuring their workforce is healthy, financially secure. They want to think differently about where investments are going. You know, what investments can drive the best outcomes, what worked in the past around programs, around HR programs, around benefit programs is not necessarily what's going to work in the future. So that's where we've been noticing a lot of our clients need help in getting better at articulating the value of these programs and driving up engagement. So Colin, while it's not all positive, I feel there's a significant amount of opportunity here for companies to reinvent and, and just make the right investments in their people.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jazz. And certainly as I've been talking to um, CHROs and CFOs and folks like that, you know, there's a lot of money going into the space and, and there's no shortage of spend that companies put into their, Um, HR systems and benefits and programs. And, you know, the the question is, how do you make sure that employees are really using those and get value out of them? So I think that's a great piece. Um, Well, as you think about it, you know, given that context and kind of that changing HR landscape, you know, how have you seen kind of the focus of HR leaders evolve over this year?
2: Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. And I really just wanted to expand a bit more on what Jazz was mentioning around HR is stressed. HR is under a lot of pressure to serve employees, to serve the business. And HR leaders are getting more time in front of their board than they've ever had before. They're involved in business continuity around the world. Um, they're working through their return to work policies and evolving pandemic developments that are happening. And they're really challenged now with the talent gap too. They're They're challenged to attract and retain their workforce, to keep them in the right roles, to reskill or upskill them. And and so there's never been a sharper focus on the employee. In my past 16-plus years that I've been in the HR space, in a variety of capacities, the focus on the employee has never been uh, sharper. And that's what keeps HR leaders up at night. However, while that's the focus, they're still pressed to have justifications for all of their investments. Just like any other investment, they have to justify any spend that they make around their people. Um, So we worked recently with a large global automotive company, and their focus was not only to bring operational efficiency, but elevate the employee experience, help them attract talent as they're, they're really growing quickly and scaling through acquisition and organically. And so we worked with them using all of our data and analytics. We helped them reimagine what does great look like and how can they scale? How can they attract the right talent moving forward? And so not only were we able to design that, but ultimately as part of all of our discovery with them, we needed to come up with business value from this investment they were making. We needed to make sure there's value there. So we were able to find over $2 million in guaranteed savings for them just based on simplifying this complex IT landscape that they had. And so the focus is on the employee, but the focus is also on cost and making sure there's an ROI to the investment.
0: Wow, that's a that's a fabulous use case. And I I think the point you hit at the beginning is one that I've seen too, where, you know, during this pandemic, more and more HR has come to the forefront and thinking about, you know, business continuity and keeping people up there. I've seen our our clients and, and even within our own company, our, our CHRO get more airtime with the board and those things. And so now leveraging that to talk about using it as a platform to say, how do we how do we continue to evolve and get better for employees? I think that's a great, great point as well. So Jazz, as we think about doing that, you know, one of the, one of the key things is it's always hard to get money, right? And there's always a competition for money. So, you know, as you've been speaking with a number of our customers and clients and, and people out in the industry, you know, what are you seeing from a pressure perspective as it relates to budget or how is that shaping up these days?
1: Yeah, and Colin, I want to I be honest here. Like traditionally, HR investments have never been the priority for many organizations. You know, this focus has always been around driving customer experience, you know, whether it's point of sale solution, whether it's supply chain solution. So the focus has always been on the end customer. But things are changing now with the pandemic. You know, there's a realization that organizations must invest in their people. And, And you know what? They must spend more on programs, the right set of HR programs and tools. Now, having said that, we all know that budgets and incremental spend is going to be under a lot more scrutiny. There's there's a concept now of the COVID committee. A lot more organizations have more individuals as part of this COVID committee who are required to approve projects. Now, what we've been also seeing as we talk to more HR leaders, they've been asked to prove the value of both existing investments as well as net new investments. So it's not just about build me a business case for a net new investment, but it's also what value did you derive from something that we've already done in the past? So here's an example. I just wanted to call out an example We recently worked with a multinational retail customer. Payroll function on the surface, the FTEs looked great, right? They seemed to be best in class. But as we we uncovered the data, we started to realize that they were understaffed. As a result, what was happening was their payroll leakage was high. Their overpayments were high. They were having a lot more errors in terms of their payroll process. And that allowed us to uncover opportunities upward of 1.5 million dollars annually now that part of it was also guaranteed and that allowed us to justify and prove the business case now had we not gone the route of getting into data had we not gone the route of identifying where those opportunities are and building a true business case there was no additional investment that would have been approved so that's you know that's some of the trends that we've been seeing a lot more scrutiny both for existing projects as well as for net new
0: yeah, I think that's a great point, Jazz. And, and certainly there's always been a um a need to prove out the the business value and things like that. And, and certainly in times today, you know, everybody's looking to make sure that the projects make sense. And I think HR, to your point, has to compete more and more with projects that are um about the business or about, you know, projects the IT department has and things like that. And so thinking about whether you invest in your people or you invest in a new cash register system or inventory is is really important. So, and I I think you're right. I think sometimes, you know, HR has struggled to articulate it that, especially in a way that a CFO can understand. So in your example, you know, being able to go back and show a hard dollar savings of a million and a half dollars, I think anybody would crave that. And and hopefully it's money that goes back into the uh, HR systems and things to make people better. So Melina, maybe on that point, you know, are, are there other ways that, you know, the HR organization can think about value differently?
2: Yeah, you know, definitely there there are, you know, I think historically the the equation has been rather simple um, and focusing on cost arbitrage. How do we simplify things, become more efficient and really go from this cost to a lower cost? And and so a lot of organizations have reached the point of efficiency and effectiveness and whatever they do today, that that's not what's going to drive them forward. That's not what's going to help them scale. It's not what's going to help them Uh, improve and and make their workforce healthier and uh, more secure. And so what what the value is about now in HR is really, how do you tie the HR investments to how the business is impacted to to key business objectives that you you may have? And, And those might be anything from delivering on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. How do you make that data that you may have or data that you may need to get how do you make that real? How do you improve upon that? How do you take that forward? Or maybe it's how do you keep your employees healthier, back at work, engaged, moving up within the organization? Um, what are the investments that HR can make to make the business stronger and to help you meet these business objectives? And so, what we've seen a trend in with our existing customers and and other organizations coming to us to request a proposal is not only are they asking about performance SLAs, but they're thinking about Other uh, meaningful KPIs that we can help them uh, drive and impact within the firm outside of HR. And so maybe to give give an example, a large customer that we worked with recently in the aerospace and defense industry, they they were pressed to attract talent. Their employee experience, uh, they felt they invested in over 50 different HR programs and tools, but they weren't seeing the type of engagement that they expected from these programs they weren't getting the ROI, and they were looking for a way to engage in a more holistic way with their employees and ultimately keep them there, You know, keep them happy and moving up in the organization. Um, so we worked with them to measure and quantify, You know, what would it look like to improve utilization of these various programs? What can that do to your absenteeism? What can that do for people staying in the organization longer? Uh, or maybe healthcare costs is, is one factor. Um, So it's really looking at the bigger picture and how you can impact the business uh, rather than just focusing on SLAs that you may have internally or with a vendor.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of of business impact. And I know a couple of the organizations that I um, work quite a bit with, you know, one of them said their their biggest business risk is just having enough people, um, in their case, to run deliveries and package sorting and things like that during the holiday seasons coming up. And so in the, the current war for talent, I think thinking about those are really important. I guess maybe before I leave that though, is, you think about, you know, you work with a lot of CFOs and CEOs, what are, what are they looking for though? Cause they're still looking for more of the facts and data. So what have you seen there?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not just important to outline what's the business impact, what CFOs and CEOs are really looking for is they want to see the data. They want this to be measurable. They want the business case to be robust. They want it to be something that's based on data and past performance. And they want it to be defendable against other investments that the company may be looking at making. And so it's important to have that data. What we see with a lot of our customers that come to us is they don't have a broad set of data across the over 4,000 customers that we work with. They don't have a large data set of what are my peers doing? How are my peers performing? How can I improve and be more competitive? So they come to us for those insights, for that data, so that we're able to help them build a case that makes sense and that is grounded on what what can great look like and how can we improve based on you know where the company is at today. Um, and then I think further, you know, CFOs want this to be something they can track, and so it's critical that we we talk about how do you track the value, and that's got to be part of the business case. How do you make sure that you are going to get the value from what you uh, what you've put forward?
0: That makes sense. And I love um, I love where you're going of the the benchmarks and analytics. Cause there are a lot of times where, you know, even for us, I wonder, you know, well, how do I compare to somebody else? And so I think the fact that your team can bring um, those insights across the 4,000 customers and help somebody understand not only how they're doing, but how does it compare? And I think sometimes as I I talk to our CEO and stuff, that can be a pretty compelling fact to say, hey, we're actually a leader or laggard and here's where we're at and this is why. So it's so yeah, a really good input to have that broader perspective beyond just what you're doing. So I like that. Um, James, it all sounds good, you know, so it sounds awesome, you know, if people are out there watching and listening and and starting to ask questions, you know, how how do they get started? Like, where where do you start to kind of shift to more of this empirical base, benchmark, those kind of things? How how do they get going?
1: Yeah, and and Colin, before I just answer that, maybe I'll just pick on something that Melina mentioned, right? So what our clients are telling us now is they're asking us questions. They're asking us questions around what does great look like? And, And to Melina's point, how do I compare against my peers? So our recommendation is always start with I- identifying what your goals are. Now goals can be different for different clients. Some organizations for them, they aspire to attract talent based on their employee experience. Whereas for other organizations, you know, they're highly focused on cost savings, you know, probably health cost savings, payroll cost savings and so on. And there are some organizations that is a mix of both, Right, there's employee experience as well as there's cost savings. Once we've done that, once we've identified what the goals are, let's focus on baselining the data and identifying opportunities based on what we see from data, right? Based on what we see are their comparatives to best in class organizations. And then we quantify the value of moving them from where they are to where they would like to be. Now, here's something unique that that I think we are fortunate with, right? We have access to 200 million plus interactions across 70% of the Fortune 100 clients including claims data. Now, what that allows us to do, it allows us to create a massive benchmarking database on our own. So we have created our own database, and we leverage that to compare performance of clients against what the best-in-class organizations look like. Here's an example to get that and make it a bit more real. We recently worked with a large medical devices company that wanted to improve the financial health of their employees. Now, this is a tough topic to start quantifying improving financial health, right? CFOs would say, how would you possibly quantify that? So here's what we did. We started looking at their health savings accounts data and we compared it to our own benchmarking database. We realized that their contributions were below industry standards. And by offering them some campaigns, some hyperpersonalization campaigns, we were able to increase the contribution. Now, increasing in contribution drove value for the employee. They were more financially secure, but it also drove hard dollars tax savings for the employer, so you know. Back to your question, Colin. Where do we get started? Start with a partner that has access to benchmarking, that has access to a lot more data, and they know what great looks like. You know, based on their client base, they know what great looks like. Or as organizations, nobody should feel that they need to build this out internally. I spoke about HR organizations being highly stressed out, and and we are here to help, right? We have access to a lot of this data. We live and breathe this day in and day out. We work with clients, we build benchmarks, we put together business case. So work with organizations such as us that can help you build out that business case, define the right KPIs, and then measure it in your course of time.
0: Got it, that makes sense, Jazz. And I, I think, you know, I know your team with one of my clients recently where we were able to look at, um, you know, a, s- a simple thing, like, you know, we've got folks that have healthcare spending accounts, you know, and just driving up utilization in that space is one that's really important. And so, um, you know, a good example for folks at home, if they're thinking about, well, what what does it look like, and how how simple can it be? You know, we had an example where, you know, this customer just had you know thousands of people that weren't contributing to their HSA, and that's that's tough on the people because that healthcare spending account is a, a tax-free vehicle they can use to save money that they need when it, when a health event happens, and it's also good for the employer because if they save on the on the pre-tax side, it saves the employer money, and so using the Alight Work Life platform and kind of driving a campaign, I think you and the team were able to drive up that, that utilization significantly. And I think we saw you know, about 70% of people start contributing where they weren't before. And that's, that's great for both sides. And so when you think about the return on that, you know, it, it's a huge return for the employer from a cost perspective because of the taxes they save, but more importantly, it's, it's just helping people be healthier and happier. And it, probably a good example one that, you know, as, as you and your team have been working with stuff, it doesn't have to be these big, big, massive business cases for HR transformation. Those are good too, but there's lots of little stuff people can do that. I think you guys are finding that that's pretty compelling, that it has a great return, both for the employee and the employer, which I like.
2: Absolutely.
0: Hey, as we think about, you know, business cases, you know, one of those things is, you know, you get them built, you get them approved, you get through the process, you, you win the battle, you get a bunch of money for the, for the HR side. And then kind of, kind of what happens next, Jazz? Where do they go from there?
1: Yeah, so Colin, I'll speak the truth here. The truth is often that companies do not realize the value that they expected. Value leakage is a big problem across different organizations. You know, there's a stat that only 50 to 65% of the value that you set forward in the business case truly gets realized. Now that could be a couple of reasons. It could be that the selection was poor, not the right vendor was selected. The business case was not very accurate. You know, there were not the right set of benchmarks or I think this is the important one, it was never tracked. Organizations never truly tracked the value once they went live. And that contributes to around 20, 25% of that leakage. So the next time as organizations, people are gonna ask for investment dollars. The same question is gonna come up, whether you realize value from your investments or not. And that is critical, right? Like, so as we think about it, we need to highlight past success, which will allow us to secure funding for future initiatives. Here's an example within the same space. We were talking about, Working, we were working with a large food and beverage customer and they wanted to measure success. You know, They wanted to measure what that success looks like once they go live. So we worked with them. We defined the right set of outcomes. We, and those outcomes included minimizing employee calls. Those outcomes included improving their payroll accuracy, reducing some of their leakage, reducing some of the overspend that they were having. So we jointly built out an executive value tracking dashboard which the client has access to on an ongoing basis. And they now use that as part of their quarterly steering committee meetings. This becomes a way in which we get grounded on the value that we've delivered. And it's accountability as well at the same time, right? If there's something that's going south, we would investigate further. And we'd work towards getting better outcomes and moving towards that ideal state of value realization. So key takeaways, Colin, is make sure that value tracking becomes an integral part of the process and after go live, either within the organization or within the services provider, depending on how that arrangement has been done.
0: I think that's a really good point, Jazz. And I think starting with the the value in mind and kind of where organizations are going and and thinking from the beginning about how they're going to measure it is is definitely important. And again, I think as as, um, we continue to put more of a business mindset to this HR piece, the, the investments are critical. And you think about your people as one of the biggest assets. And I think, you know, we talk about the fact that probably in most organizations, you know, their top two spin categories are their, their payroll and their benefits. And so making those be effective is, is really a critical part of what we're doing. Um, just before we wrap up, maybe I'll do one last thing. Milena. any other, you know, you've been doing this for a number of years. Any, any last final thoughts as you think about the audience and think about measuring value or things you've seen work really well?
2: Yeah, you know, I think working across, uh, having interactions with employees, with HR leaders, with benefits leaders, I think there's always a different lens that each of those individuals has coming into the process. It's just really important back to outlining the key outcomes that you're trying to achieve based on the, the goals of the organization, based on the goals of HR. It's really important to be tracking the outcomes and thinking about how this is viewed from each of those stakeholders. And you know, I think based on all this focus on the employee, a lot of organizations are really focusing on what is the employee experiencing from their lens. And how can I make it better for them coming into work at my company? Um, and so I think it's just really looking at the various lenses and making sure that you're outlining the value in, in the right way in your business case.
0: That makes sense. And one of the things you said in there that that really resonated with me and is a great nugget for people to weigh is it, it's about building that consensus too. You know, it's it's not building the business case in a vacuum. But I, I think you're right. I'm, I'm working with a large customer today, and and you know, one of the things they did is engage their business stakeholders. They asked them what they thought could look like. They asked what they wanted to see at the end of the project. And I, I think you were spot on about, you know, building that consensus helps get the business case approved, but also just, just adds more value when you think about, you know, making sure your customer is going to be happy at the end of it and not just that you're, you're checking the boxes and get it done. What about Jazz? Any final thoughts you'd add from uh, your vast experience in this space?
1: Yeah, Colin, here's the way I would summarize for the audience. You know, the time, it's an interesting time that we live in. There is a lot more scrutiny that's happening, but at the same time, there's an opportunity for HR to make the right investments in their people. And that would result in significantly high ROIs, both for employees, you know, making sure that they're financially secure and they're healthier, as well as for the employers. And we took examples, hard dollar savings or cost dollar or soft dollar savings. Those are areas that that we believe that we can help. We can work with clients. We have extensive experience in identifying what those value levers are, what those buckets are, and we look forward to the opportunity to working with clients and helping them through their journey of building out these business cases.
0: Excellent. Well, really great content. Um, Unfortunately, we're out of time for today, so I want to thank uh, both Jazz and Melina for joining us and sharing some good insights and things like that. Uh, If you're watching this and we didn't get to your question today, um, feel free to reach out to myself or Jazz or Melina. Uh, Check out the resources online and Um, We're also including our value engineering ebook. So hopefully that will help as you start your journey and start thinking about it. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back soon with another uh, Light On episode and we look forward to talking to you in the future.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you.